Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Now, let's get into today's message. Um, we are talking about ghosts, and the the first thing I want us to start off with is the idea of curiosity of ghosts. Everyone has this curiosity about them when it comes to topics like this, whether it's ghosts or like ooga booga stuff, things are just kind of mysterious. And what I've found that topics like ghosts often distract people from topics that actually edify. If you were to look at um, all the all of the times that you've spent researching stupid stuff. I mean, not to say that, you know, it's stupid, but at the end of the day, things like the Illuminati, um, things like ghosts, uh, this one person that saw the devil. We research such funny things, conspiracies, or all of this stuff, and at the end of it, you're either like, man, I'm just even more curious. I feel like rarely do you get to a point where you're like, man, I feel totally edified and now I know so much more, it's changed my life. Usually you just feel like you've just wasted a lot of time chasing a rabbit hole and you've learned nothing. I I remember as a kid watching the History Channel and uh, right, like what kid wants to watch that? If you watched the Discovery Channel growing up, those days that you stayed home from school, represent, you know, Discovery, History, Animal Planet, just killing it when you would stay home from school back in the day. 90s kids know what I'm talking about. And I remember every time it was like a session about like the Loch Ness Monster or finding aliens or Bigfoot. And you're like, why have I not heard about this before? And you watch the whole series, the, the whole episode, the whole hour, whatever. And by the end of it, it's like, I guess we'll never really know about Bigfoot. I guess we'll... Aliens will still be a mystery. And there's no closure. There's no, at the end of the day, there's no evidence for all of these random dots that people have splattered on the wall. And now going back to ghosts, I want to share this, this scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. It says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look at for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. There are some simple realities, historical notes even, and, and hints that the Bible and history lays out for us on topics like ghosts, demons, and angels. But people often like to believe old wives' tales, things really just made up rather than biblical logic and people make up really really crazy accusations really dumb things in pursuit of deeper truths a deeper truth what is it what does that saying even mean a deeper truth it's the idea of of looking behind the text it's an idea of looking well what what are they hiding from me and I I feel like a modern day uh, uh, people or like, I, I don't want to say psychopaths, but maybe is like TikTok prophets. <laughs> um, 
that there's this whole new thing about like being Christian witch, uh, witches, Christian rich witches. And uh, I've uh, someone sent us a video the other day of of uh, this, I, I think a Christian witch, which is uh, oxymoron. Um, and she was, she was leading this, this whole trail of breadcrumbs to find a deeper truth. And her whole accusation was that going all the way back in Genesis, this is what the church doesn't want you to know. In the garden, when Eve took of the apple, what she was really doing, and before I go on, let me just say, right away when I heard that, I was like, well, this person hasn't read their Bible very much because it never says it was an apple. It was an undisclosed fruit. It says it is a fruit of knowledge of good and evil, and it's obviously not a fruit that we eat today. It was the one-time thing. <laughs> and, and so anyway, just, uh, just a little note. It, but what it was really referencing is that when the devil offered it to her, it was actually referencing that they had sex. And so Eve had sex with the devil. And then when she called over Adam, she had sex with him too. And so that's why when she gave birth to Cain and Abel, Cain was the son of the devil while Abel was the son of Adam. And that's why God hated Cain but loved Abel. And this is... I don't know if at this point you're like, oh, I never thought about it like that. Or maybe at this point you're thinking, that sounds crazy. If you are at the level that says, that sounds crazy, you're right on point. Because it is crazy. If you're at the level where you're like, oh, I never knew about that. I'm, I'm going to say this the lightest tone that I can. That, that perception comes from biblical illiteracy meaning someone that hasn't read the Bible or studied it very much. Because when you see even just a simple aspect of this idea that God hated Cain but loved Abel, God beg, nearly begs Cain to do what is right and says, if you do what is right, then your offering will be accepted. Because then it, it was the way that someone would uh, offer sacrifices to God, the way that they would make atonement for their sins was only through the blood was only through blood of a sacrifice. It was only through the the blood of a sacrifice of an animal or 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 something. And and so when Cain made his offerings, he only made offerings of his of his fruit harvest of of vegetables and fruit. And it said that he would just offer some while Abel would give the very firstborn of his flock. And so Abel's over here giving the best to God, the first to God, while Cain was giving leftovers of something that God never even asked for. And God cares more about our obedience than our sacrifice. And that's why God pleaded with Cain saying, if you just simply do what is right, it will go well with you. And and so there's no reference to where God hated Cain. Even after Cain killed his brother Abel, God still had mercy on Cain and protected him even then. And so, again, it's just it, what, what happens with these weird topics and where people get these insane myths and, and ooga booga ideas, these conspiracies come from getting dots in the in timeline or uh, these reference dots and there's no line connecting them but they make up ideas to believe that they're connected and it's just it's fiction it's not real there's no truth there's no there's no evidence at all connecting those dots but people like to believe mysteries and conspiracies over simple logic and truth 
it's it's similar to the idea of the person that directed the Da Vinci Code. He's a complete atheist. And if you've seen that movie, it, it goes off this whole premise that Jesus and Mary Magdalene had a romantic relationship to the point where Jesus even had kids with her. And it's a this this whole movie and this franchise has led people to believe this kind of conspiracy. And when asked about it, the director when the when asked about it, the director responded, I just want to make people doubt. There's no evidence. There's, of course there's no evidence for it, but I just want to make people doubt. And and people blindly follow that because it seems curious. It seems like a spectacle. And and it's just like, oh man, well Mary and Mary and Jesus were in the in a room together. They did know each other. It must be true. <gasps> it's a mystery. They don't want you to know this. That at the end of the day, the truth is God makes things so knowable and evident. And the conspiracies that come out of certain texts is just ludicrous and foolishness being seen. And I, I want us to understand that so many of these ideas of deeper truths are just are, are just man-made ideas to distract us, to distract us from actually n knowing truth. truth there's no, when it comes to truth, think about it logically. Truth is simple and true. It, there is no, it, it's very surface. There's no deeperness to truth if something is actually true. The only thing that, when it comes to deeper truths, that, that only comes from uh, going beyond a lie. I hope that makes sense. And going back to the idea of ghosts, even this topic of ghosts, it's, a, it, it's mostly, uh, most of the ideas and hopes of ghosts have much more bigger motive than curiosity. And I believe that it's a subconscious motive of running away from the idea of being accountable to God. Most perceptions about ghosts is just an afterlife that has that is just free roam. There's no consequence. You don't go ahead. You don't go to heaven or hell. You just roam the earth and kind of you go to the spirit world. You don't go to to heaven or hell like the Bible talks about. And so many, uh, so many um, de denominations or false teachings about ghosts even lead you to believe that after you die, you, there's, you do good works in purgatory to be able to earn your way to heaven a second time. And uh, it's, you get a choice even after death, whether you want to go to heaven or hell. And I'm over here like, who is, who is making a choice in the afterlife of wanting to go to hell? Like, why wouldn't you want to go to heaven if you get this many chances? And most of it is based off of this idea that you get a second chance again to go to, of where you want to go for eternity. And I, I want us to really understand that this is the biggest level of procrastination in the universe. The idea of putting off your spiritual awareness all the way to death. I mean, right now, the Bible says that he has given us choices of death or life. And it's our choice now. Jesus tells us now that today's the day of salvation. It, it consistently tells us to make a decision today. And this idea of following after uh, old wives' tales about ghosts is an incredible procrastination to just, well, I'll be able to worry about that when I'm dead. <laughs> like, think about how that sounds. It's not logical and it's not real. It's made up. And there's no biblical logic to thinking that way. That... When it comes to 
when it comes to this idea of even limbo or purgatory, it's just another man-made idea that has no biblical reference of not having to be accountable to our, for our actions and words and life here on earth. And we just never have to be accountable to God on judgment day. But in reality, the way that the Bible teaches about eternity, it says that it, even right now, it says that peop, uh, the, the theology is that people are in, whole, in almost like a holding state, whether it's Hades or paradise, it's like a holding state, a holding cell um, until judgment day, that we're awaiting judgment. It's in whether it's paradise or whether it's uh, Hades, it's not heaven or hell. Some theologians believe that it's almost like being asleep, and then at, once we die, we awake on judgment day. And that's all, it just is like instant, like you've been asleep and you wake up and it's judgment day. What I'm saying is that here on earth, we're subjected to time, but in, this, in spirit, once we die, we're no longer bound by physical means like time or gravity or you know things that that bind us to this world even eat the needing to eat we have we are then produced into a spiritual body and and we're no longer subject to time and so it's like when we die we're 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 awake on judgment day and um and this right that means that right now no one is in heaven or hell everyone is waiting judgment so this idea that even like uh, my loved ones are in heaven or hell, well, biblically, we're all waiting judgment. That says that he'll call forth the dead on judgment day and that they will rise and everyone will be accountable to their life here on earth. And so um, going, you know, kind of moving from this point of curiosity about ghosts, I want us to talk about the tiptoeing of supernatural, the tiptoeing of the supernatural. People often tiptoe in darkness instead of search in the light when discovering sp uh, supernatural things. Let me say that again. People often tiptoe in darkness instead of searching the light when discovering the supernatural. The human nature is naturally sinful. Human nature is naturally sinful. And... I believe that's our sin that causes us to just be almost naturally uh, pessimistic, naturally skeptical. Um, we have a natural dark side to us, and uh, and the the I because of the sinful nature innate within us, our ideas and practices of the supernatural, we we rather go to practices of the supernatural rather than prayer, and. What, what it really boils down to is we consistently go to the things that are created rather than the creator. We go to the things of the created rather than the creator. And I want us to, to look, at what, uh, look at what I'm saying. When, when, it comes to, when it comes to like mild forms of witchcraft, uh, I want us to think about what witchcraft is. And it's, a, it's these superstitious acts that are actually mild to moderate forms of witchcraft, but because they're so common in our culture or our traditions, we write them off as like, oh, well, you know, my family's always done this. And it, what, uh, let me just list a few. Tarot cards, Ouija boards, fortune tellers, psychics, ojo, 
uh, uh, whole bracelets, whole charms, putting the egg under the pillow, other popular Mexican Catholic traditional practices, even horoscopes are all touch points and doorways to types of witchcraft, to the dark, evil, wicked, demonic side of the supernatural. Let's take a, a step back and look at something that seems completely harmless. Horoscopes. What's wrong with a horoscope? Besides that, it's Dracula's favorite part of the newspaper. The horoscopes, right? Uh, it's less funny with Lorna here. But even just horoscopes, what is a big deal with that? Am I trying to suggest that if you are active in your horoscopes that you're, uh, you're sinning against God and you're going to hell? I'm not trying to do anything crazy like that. I'm not making any accusations. What I want is for us to take a step back and look at what we're actually doing. Because if it is even a mild form of, of sorcery, it's still sorcery. Even if it's a mild form of, of something wicked or demonic, then it's demonic. And so look at the idea of horoscopes. Or it's, it's what it is is the alignment of the stars. The, and it, it's all about astrology. It's all about really the worship of the stars, something created. When you look all the way back to the Tower of Babel in Genesis, the, it says that they, the people were building a Tower of Babel. This is right after the Great Flood. And read people coming together and creating this tower reaching to the heavens. But God intervenes and confuses the people to cause them to stop building the tower. And you wonder, well, why would God cause that to happen? They were doing such a great job in building this awesome Eiffel Tower, right? Well, what they were doing was making this huge, uh, this huge monument to reach the stars. They wanted to worship the stars. Right after the great flood, God destroyed the whole earth because of the, the increasingly wickedness uh, and uh, pagan practice of, the war of mankind. And already they were doing it again. And so he confused them in order to spare them from, uh, from doing continually wicked things. When you think about, well, what's the big deal of worship if they wanted to worship something else? Most of the forms of worship, even with the stars, called for sacrificing your children, burning your children alive, these the uh, sex orgies, all this pagan revelry that was detestable to a holy God. And he desired for mankind to be close to him, not away from him. And so when you look at the Tower of Babel was a worship of the stars that God disdained so much that he confused the people. Now look at the modern, just going to horoscopes today, it's the same connection of just focusing on the created to guide you and lead you and to help you rather than the creator to guide you, to lead you, to help you. I hope that this makes sense of what we're talking about because performing these acts, practices, ceremonies of sorcery leave footprints of the demonic in your life. And there's so many times where people struggle with intense things in their life and it's no wonder how much they have these strongholds because of what they actually practice out of ignorance. It boils down to, like I said earlier, trusting in a practice instead of prayer. Once you think about even a simple idea of ojo, it, the, the idea of, of something bad happening to you because someone coveted you, <laughs> whatever it is, it's... It, it's trusting in this practice like, oh, we need to rub an egg on you and put it under your pillow. You're, you're trusting in this practice 
rather than if you really felt like this was a real thing, imagine just praying, God, I pray that nothing bad would happen. Whoa, that was almost too simple. I, I can't trust that. I can't trust God to fulfill that prayer. Y'all get what I mean? We're trusting in the created practices of man rather than a simple prayer to God. And uh, I, I want us to look at... Um, so finishing this idea that even if it's mild witchcraft, it's still witchcraft. It's just like even if it's a white lie, it's still a lie. And um, when it comes to opening doors in our lives, I really believe that we have we not only open doors to these ugly things in our life, but we create revolving doors. In, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 through 45, Jesus says, When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home, swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is even worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. I try to read it in my Halloween voice. It may not have been good, but if I had a flashlight like this, it would have probably been better. But he's saying that when an evil spirit leaves somebody who comes to God, so coming to God, is it causes the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in your life, causes the spirits of the enemy to leave your life. But when it comes back and sees everything in order, it's... It says that it, it finds seven more spirits more evil than itself to come and wreck shop. Why, why does, how does the spirit allow to enter back in? It, it's such a, a peculiar thing, a peculiar moment. But if we read the verses right before this text, we can really put in perspective what Jesus is talking about. In the two verses right before, it says, The people of Nineveh will stand up against this gen generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. The Queen of Sheba, the Queen of the South, will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon, but now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen." Then he goes on to talk about this idea of spirits leaving and coming back worse. And so the whole context is actually surrounded by the topic of repentance. What does repent mean? It doesn't just mean feel guilty. <laughs> it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, the word repent means to turn away from or to close the door of. And so Jesus is saying close the doors of all this uh, this. Uh, whether it's sin in your life or whether it's doors that are just negative influences of your life. And, and it's only then that you can close the door to demonic activity in your life, to, to strongholds in your life. I mean, what do demons bring with them? Is it just ooga booga stuff that scares you at night? Do they only bother you at three o'clock in the morning and make you feel goosebumps and scared to where you leave the light on? No. In fact, demons bring so much more than that. They bring addictions. They bring strongholds. They bring depression. They bring anxiety. They bring all kinds of junk that affects our lives. Am I saying that if you're depressed, anxious, or have addictions that you have a demon? Not at all. I felt anxious yesterday. I didn't have a demon in me. I just felt anxiety. But there's different levels to where there's times where it is a spiritual thing going on. 
And when we allow certain things to, to continue to, um, continue to, to be a revolving door in our life, we just invite all of that junk that we got rid of when we first gave our life to Christ. You remember how that feels? If you've given your life to Christ that moment where it was a, a, a clear moment in time, you're like, man, I feel so relieved and refreshed right now. I feel like my whole, I feel like a weight off of my shoulders. Like I really feel God right now. And whether it's a couple weeks or a couple months later, all of a sudden you're like, man, I feel like it's all back. Like, and you start doubting your experience with God. Maybe I was just, you know, it's just an emotional experience. It wasn't real. Is God even real? I mean, all of this junk is all this baggage is back on my shoulders. Well, perhaps it's because you left a door open in your life to where all of that junk, all of that spiritual junk came back because you didn't realize that you left a revolving door. I want us to take a step back and I want to be clear that when I'm talking about repentance of sin or turning, closing the door of sin, there are certain sins where it's like you can close the door right away. Like, I don't need this in my life anymore. And you're just strong enough to close it. And there's other sins to where it's been years of building up this habit that is destruct, self-destructive in your life. And it's taken years of you building it up and strengthening this bad habit or this sin. And it might actually take months, even years to get rid of that specific struggle in your life. The point of repentance is a pursuit of repentance. That's what true repentance is, is a lifestyle of walking closer to Jesus, walking closer to this idea uh, or pursuit of holiness. It, we're never going to be perfect. So if I'm not perfect after 11 years of being a Christian, you don't have to feel this need to be absolutely perfect after just being a month a Christian. You, you can have some time to work on these issues. The whole point is just do your best and forget the rest. It's about trying to close those doors, trying to lock those doors. But sometimes it's such a stronghold that it bursts back open. But the point is to just try to do your best to close that door again. Don't continue to, to live that way without having this resistance to sin. I hope that makes sense because I don't want anyone to feel like uh, you're less of a Christian because you have struggles. That, that is not what I'm saying at all. And now I also want to make a point of saying that what we feed our minds and our spirit, uh, it affects us, dude. If, just like I talked about with politics, if you surround yourself with politics, 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 you're going to be pissed off at all of your friends, all of your family members, all of your social media connections that, uh, that disagree with you. Because politics literally ingrains in people to viciously oppose the opposite side of politics. And so it's only around political seasons that all of a sudden families are mad at each other, that friend, that you, you want to go on the purge of your Facebook because of all these people that disagree with you. It's only around political season because that's all that people feed themselves. Well, now go into the spiritual sense. Let's, let's drop, dial it back to the ooga booga stuff, horror stuff. You know, if you are, are constantly feeding yourself like horror movies, you are going to be scared at night. <laughs> you're you're going to be experiencing those Ooga Booga moments. And I would go as far to say that certain movies, certain shows, certain podcasts, certain videos, certain influencers, 
If you feel like you're getting more and more confused about God and the Bible, check what you are feeding yourself. Check what you are listening to. And it's probably because you're dipping your spiritual toothbrush into the toilet. And you're listening to all of this junk and all of this stuff that has manipulated your perspective to where when you put that toothbrush in your mouth, you're like, this tastes like crap. I feel so gross now when I didn't feel this way before. You were feeding yourself junk. And it's simple, guys. Whatever you feed yourself is going to come out. If you feed yourself ugly, ugly, ugly uh, movies and documentaries and and videos and influencers and even music, that's what you're going to be outputting. If you're listening to WAP on repeat all day, man, you're going to be horny as a mug at, by the end of the day. Like you, you, whatever you feed yourself, you are going to get. And so you need to be a lot more conscious of what you are consuming when it comes to content. People struggle so much with their faith and and when you look at what it is that they feed themselves, they'll spend the, the whole day on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, on, on, on crappy movies, just some, things that are not edifying. And they don't spend any time in something spiritual. And then they're, they're wondering and confused, well, how come I don't feel God like I used to? You are not consuming anything related to God. You're just consuming junk. And so you feel trashy. You need to be so much more aware of these doors you're opening in your life. Even people and conversations. and uh, These are things that you need to be a lot more conscious about that. Whatever you're talking about is going to affect your spirit. Whatever you're watching, whatever you're listening to is going to affect your spirit. And, and so with that, with that being said, I want us to, to, to take a step back. We, we've talked about this idea of chasing after things that are uh, topics that are we have more curiosity about rather than things that are edifying. Chasing after things that distract us rather than things that edify us. We talked about the idea of tiptoeing in darkness rather than just searching in the light. Discovering things in the light. Seeing clearly in the light. We rather feel around in darkness. Oh, what is that? I, I can't see, but it feels like something crazy. Maybe I should do this. And now I want us to take a step back and just understand for a moment this principle of knowing why you do what you do. That's the most important aspect of our of our lives that people need to grasp is knowing why you do what you do. And I wasn't planning to really touch on this subject, but we've been having a lot of people ask about it. And so I'm going to just share briefly the topic of Halloween. I mean, it's is like this next Saturday, right? Six days away. What? That's freaking crazy. I mean, what are the odds? Um, and this topic of Halloween is is like this <laughs> this like a a Christian uh, like this Christian. Uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, but there's so many churches that say it's the most it's a devil's holiday and you can't celebrate it at all and if you do as a christian you're just asking for the demons to enter your life and then there's some christians that just celebrate it secretly well i like my kids to go trick or treating it's fun i mean luckily this year a lot of people aren't going to be doing it because of the pandemic right but this topic of halloween has so many people confused where 
I, uh, we had someone the other day that was like, I brought in all my pumpkins. I didn't want any demons to enter my house. <laughs> and it was like, well, I don't think the devil likes pumpkins. Like, <laughs> it's just like a coincidence, you know? It's like the devil's favorite food isn't, isn't pumpkin pie. Um, not to my knowledge. But I want us to look at the origins of Halloween for us to understand a little bit more about something simple. It, and when we understand the origins of a lot of things, it gives us a better understanding of why so that we can know whether it or not it's something we want to do or not. Like even the idea of horoscopes, maybe some of you all listen to that. You're like, man, I had no idea that I was connected to like worship of the stars. I don't want to do that now. And so looking at the origins of Halloween's, I feel like it's an example of our natural inclination to lean on darkness. Did you know that Halloween is actually the U.S.'s second most profitable holiday of the year besides Christmas? It is, a, it is the most uh, profitable time of the year for stores. When it comes to the origins, it, is actually, it actually started in Ireland with the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. And this day marked the end of summer and the harvest in the beginning of a dark, cold winter, a time of year that was often associated with human death. The Celts believed that on the night before the new year, so they, they celebrated the new year as November 1st, the entering of winter uh, in, in their calendar. On the night of October 31st, they believed that the boundaries between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. And when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to earth. It's funny how all across the world we have this same like almost reference to the time period of being the day of the dead. And at first glance think it's because it is a day of the dead. It's because it is a merging of, <laughs> of death. It's actually mostly referenced because all across the world, that's when our plants die and that's when we enter winter. And so that's why it's referenced as the day of the dead. And, and so we, what we see is that this time period of October 31st where this belief that ghosts were the, the, this, this reality of natural and spiritual were merged together and blurred and that ghosts would roam, uh, would roam around the earth on this night. Because of this, people would actually dress up as ghosts if they needed to go out at night or that day in order to blend in with other ghosts that they, so that they wouldn't be attacked. And also to appease these spirits and apparitions so that they wouldn't leave hexes or, or uh, curses on their doorstep as they pass through. People would leave food, beer, and other offerings on their doorstep to appease ghosts in the afterlife that were passing through. And so the, are y'all getting the connection of leaving candy outside, leaving treats outside? Well, what, hap what also started happening is that young people, kids, eventually started catching on to this uh, enormous availability of free booze and beer and food. And so they started dressing up as ghosts to go steal all the booze and food that was left on the doorsteps and go party it up. And it, it was originally this day that 
also had sacred bonfires, celebrations, and sacrifices made to Celtic deities. And so this is all the history of where it all started in, in Ireland. But Pope Gregory III made an alternative holiday when Rome started to uh, was started taking over all these other countries and uh, and Pope Gregory III made an alternative holiday called All Saints Day on November 1st. Originally it was a, a day to commemorate uh, those who had been martyred for Christ, but later turned into a day to celebrate all saints on November 1st. This was around 609 AD. And in Middle English language, it was it was uh, called it was pronounced Al Halomis, meaning All Saints Day, and it eventually began to be called All Hallows Eve, and eventually All Halloween. And so All Saints uh, Halloween is actually meaning All Saints Day Eve, and and so the <laughs> it's just really funny to me, and so Halloween was actually created to be an alternative. Christian holiday rather than a pagan worshiping holiday. And when it comes to here in the U.S., it, it was Halloween. This, this Halloween festival was originally uh, mildly practiced until the Great Potato Famine where a bunch of Irish immigrants came into the U.S. and helped spread this holiday of Halloween. And around the 1940s, the the U.S. collectively with the communities made a mo our modern form of trick-or-treating for young people because there started becoming increasing, uh, an increasing amount of vandalism in communities on Halloween. Um, and so trick-or-treating was the alternative to get teenagers to stay home and just have fun, dress up, a, a safe way to, to just celebrate rather than going out and vandalizing. And so it was a cost-effective way of just buying candy <laughs> to, you know, keep kids distracted rather than paying for the cost of the vandalism. And now when we look at today, the Halloween as we know it, it was an alternative to the evil pagan practice that was done before. And so it's so funny to me that most churches today... <laughs> being so much more holy than, you know, back then, I'm joking. I have that in my notes to say that I'm joking. We've made an alternative to this alternative of Halloween, and that's Harvest Festival. <laughs> the end of the harvest, and it's a harvest festival. It's completely different than Halloween. Although you do do just about everything you did for a Halloween, except instead of in neighborhoods, you do it in a parking lot. Even like bobbing for apples, which was a, a pagan practice that um, that people would do uh, when it, uh, whoever picked the first apple was able to pick the apple with their teeth out of the water was a, was the 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 one that was going to get married first. It was just it's funny that we still do those things, but it's all now it's the alternative to the pagan one. And so instead of doing the evil trick retreating in the streets. We just do a harvest festival in the parking lot, and we don't do, do costumes, okay? But we will do face painting. It, guys, this is silly. The, what it really boils down to is, is about knowing why you do what you do. It, I'm not trying to encourage anyone to start celebrating Halloween. It's the devil's holiday, and I'm, t I'm trying to trick you into, to associate with demons. 
What I'm trying to, to encourage you to do is think for yourself, to know why you believe what you believe, to know why you do what you do. Do you, did you condemn your kids for wanting to celebrate Halloween because a church told you it was evil? Do you really know why? You know, you need to start really reading the Bible yourself, looking at history yourself. And, and when it comes to whether or not to celebrate Halloween, I really encourage you to pray to God about it and ask him. Why, why listen to man when God is trying over and over to have a relationship with you, to, to speak to you, to guide you by his Holy Spirit? If he cares about the big things, he certainly cares about the little things. And imagine if you were to even celebrate it like uh, like it was originally intended, All Saints Day, to where there's a day, imagine a day where you make it a tradition with your kids and your family to look at, at recent and even uh, and past moments of history of amazing Christians that, that did great things for God in their lifetime, that to encourage your family's faith, to look at what, what this person did or what this person did, how this person was able to willing to lay down their life while this person was willing to, to feed so many kids to the point where they gave everything they had. I mean, imagine having a moment where you research and find these amazing Christians to talk about on All Saints Day on All Saints Day Eve. Imagine if you made a practice of when kids come to your door instead of, uh, instead of trying, uh, uh, trying just your best not to participate, of just being a Christian influence and imagine giving out candies with little scriptures on them. I mean, is that not a great touch point for, for young people to have rather than just saying, no, no, not going to do it. It's evil. It, it's not about what you do, but why you're doing it. And if you if you don't want to do Halloween at all, dude, no problem, don't do it. If you want to, if you really want to take your t- kids trick or treating, make some make your own rules. Just just you, we won't dress up anything demonic, you know. Like just do whatever you got to do, but know why you do what you do, know what you're doing, and I definitely encourage you not to associate like with really crazy, evil, demonic stuff. To, uh, don't have a Ouija party, but just simply know why you do what you do. You know, really closing on this, I, f- I feel it necessary to talk about the things that we're most afraid to look at. We've talked about this idea of topics like ghosts being distracting to us rather than edifying. We've talked about all of these touch points of supernatural, how we try to feel around in the dark, even though the, though the light is as clear as day. And we don't, have to, we don't have to feel in the dark. We can see clearly what God has for us, what truth is. But I want us to think about what we're most afraid to look at. And I think that this is probably out of the series of I am afraid. I think this is the most uh, uh, fearful thing we have when it comes to what we're afraid of. And it is the ghosts that we are most afraid of facing are the ones of our past mistakes. Our past mistakes. And we have all done things that we regret. Every single one of us. And there are times when we do, in fact, have lasting consequences for our actions. But most of those consequences are actually natural reactions in the world that we just simply can't change. But we, uh, but we can still pray for God's mercy and sovereignty to change what we can't. I want us to look at the idea of consequences sent by God. So many of us, so many of you have been believing that God is just still wanting to punish you, 
So many of you guys have been believing that you don't deserve anything good from God because you still have consequences that you have to deal with. That you just have these this hanging guilt over you. And there, the Bible does make it clear of consequences for our sins in this world. Not just on Judgment Day, but in this world. For example, like David and Moses, they had to face their consequences. For Moses, he, he was told to speak to a, a rock for water to come out, but instead he struck it with his cane. And that simple alteration of, of, of being told to do something, but he did it differently, God said, you will not enter the promised land. Man, that is a heavy consequence. He spent, what, 80 years roaming around in the desert? in the wilderness, and in the last moment, in a moment of anger, he struck a rock instead of speak to it. And it says that because of that, he couldn't enter the promised land. It's a super heavy consequence. Or like David, it says near the end of his kingdom that, that for the Israelites, the, the rules for the king was not to take a census of the land. And near the end of David's kingdom, he took a census and there, his punishment was a three-day plague across all of Israel. It was such a severe consequence to his sin. And when you look at sin, it's like, man, that, that doesn't even sound like sin. That's just disobedience. That's not even like, that's just not doing something you were supposed to or doing it even just a little bit different. That's not even a big deal. And when we look at these consequences, it intimidates people. And that's, I've, it's, it's situations like that where, People use this story, stories like this in the Bible to say, God's going to punish you. God's going to punish you. God's going to punish you. And we have this, whether it's being um, told from a church, from a Christian or whatever, where you, it's almost solidified this hanging guilt over you. I want us to take a step back. Why did God, why was God so severe with David and Moses? It's because of the depth of their relationship. The depth of Moses' relationship with God and the height of their positions. These weren't just average people. These were leaders of nations. Moses saw God face to face, something that no other person was allowed to see. The depth of his relationship with God was greater than any other human being. And so for him to do that alteration of what God told him to do, it was so big of a deal. And the height of their positions affect, it, it's all those things are factors into those ideas of consequences. When we look at s stories like the people of Nineveh, or even the most wicked, one of the most wicked kings of the Bible, King Ahab, they were given mercy for even greater sins. Talk about sacrificing their own children. Talk about murdering innocent people. And they were forgiven and shown mercy for their sins that were even greater than David or Moses because they were so far from God in the first place that the steps that they made in repentance were actually huge in comparison. And see, we often look at other people to compare ourselves of whether or not we, we deserve things. But God looks at our heart. God looks at the, the, the authenticity of our soul. And when we make even just the the a step that seems so small to others, but it's huge to us towards God, he receives it with open arms. I, you know, I, I feel like we need to also think about s stories like Job. 
Job experienced complete misery. He lost, in one day, he lost all of his children, all of his finances, everything in his life was destroyed in one day. And others thought that his misery was a punishment sent by God. But what we find out in scripture is that it was in fact an attack from the devil with a mixture of just chaos and a broken world. In the end, he accepted this belief that he brought nothing into this world and he deserved nothing. Just complete humility. And because of that humility, God gave him twice as much that had been taken from him because of the humility he kept. And I want us to just take a step in that direction, this idea of humility. And this idea that that God is just hanging judgment over you. I, I believe that when we have that fear, it's because we have not fully learned about the blood of Jesus, the grace of God through that sacrifice. I, I feel like so many times we have lasting guilt or remorse for things that we have done in our past. And the process of God's forgiveness is so much faster than the forgiveness of our own selves. Maybe that's why he reminds us so many times in scripture of his forgiveness and his grace and his love towards us. I want to end on this verse, these verses in Psalm 103 verses 8 through 12. It says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us, even as we deserve. For His unfailing love towards us, towards those who fear Him, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. This, this is an amazing scripture that is just reaffirming God's forgiveness for your life and his amazing love for you. He is constantly trying to remind you that you are forgiven in Jesus and that you don't have to continue to hold this weight on your shoulders that you don't deserve anything good from God. He does forgive you. And I want us to just take a moment to pray. You know, I feel like, again, this is the biggest part of this message. All the other things really just distract us from our Creator. And to know that it doesn't take any practices, it doesn't take any seance or um, ceremony to be able to just pray to God. I want you to have a prayer moment right now. And I want you to share with God what you need to say. Maybe right now you need to have a prayer moment where you say, God, I, I really need to trust you with all this guilt I've been carrying. I need you to show me right now that I am forgiven. I, I am sorry for my past. I'm sorry for my mistakes. And I need to feel this forgiveness. God, I pray that you just cause this person right now to feel your grace and your peace and your presence to just wash over them. Take that weight and that load they've been carrying off their shoulders. 
and cause them to experience your truth right now. Maybe some of you are, are stuck on this point of these revolving doors in your life. And you need to make a moment where you say, God, I'm going to close this door. I, I have been just really procrastinating and trying to avoid a decision of closing this door that is not edifying to my faith. And right now, I'm no longer going to do this. I'm no longer going to watch that. I'm no longer going to experience this. I'm going to repent and stop that. Maybe that's a moment you need to have. And maybe just, I think generally for a lot of us, it's, God, I need to trust you instead of works. I need to trust in prayer instead of the things I try to practice. I try to earn my salvation. I try to earn favor with you. And I think that if I'm not a good person, that you, won't, that you don't listen to me. And I try to earn your love by the things that I do. But right now, not that I don't want to continue to try to be a good person, but I want to accept your love as is and believe that you love me unconditionally whether I am good or bad and that as I try my best that you listen to my prayers no matter I have a good day or a bad day you hear my prayers if if you're at a point where you need to make a simple decision for Christ the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is that that's all it takes to start this journey of walking in a relationship with him I want you to just have an authentic prayer by yourself and say, Jesus, I, I know who you are and I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that you paid for the sins of the world and you proved it when you rose from the dead. Right now, I just trust you and I want to live a life that honors you and that follows after you. I need you in my life. Make a prayer like that and, and please let us know if that's you today. We want to connect with you and we want to walk with you on this journey. Church is all about connection and community. And it's important for us as Christians to be able to, to lock arms with each other and go through this life together because it's not easy. And even as Christians, we have so much struggle. We have so many things that we deal with and it is lonely. And so please, if you pray that prayer today, maybe you prayed in the past and you still haven't connected we want to connect with each other. So please let us know. Shoot us a message or, um, or uh, email us, call us, whatever. We want to connect with you. With that being said, I hope that you guys enjoyed today's talk, our message today. Hopefully you learned a little bit about Halloween. Uh, maybe you're, Hopefully you're not mad at me about the Oho thing. You're still going to keep your Oho bracelets. Do whatever you want. I don't care. But we love y'all so much and we are so grateful for our online community and we are also so grateful for our in-person gatherings again um, we want to let you know that you make a difference at grape top church as you connect with us online as you connect with us in person and you also make a difference when you give you help our ministry at grape top church to continue to reach people i i love the stories of grape top the people at Gravetop have amazing stories and connections, and it's only because of those who donate, who give, that help us to continue to reach the mission, to, to fulfill the vision at Gravetop. And we want to let you know that if you have it on your heart today to give, you can give by going online to gravetop.com. You can click the Give tab, and it, you can give online straight from there. You can also give through third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. And... We want to let you know that we never want anyone to feel pressured or persuaded to give if you don't want to give. 
But when you do feel like something's compelling your heart to give, that's usually the Holy Spirit trying to urge you to connect with what God is doing. And you become a, a co-laborer with us as we minister um, God's Word and God's ministry to others. And so that being said, we love y'all so much. We're so grateful for you and our church family. And if you don't know, it is Lauren's birthday. So please send her a message and tell her how much you love her, how much she means to you. I think what would be really special if you just share one, just one quick moment that you had with her or something that she did that really made a difference in your life. And I know that it would encourage her. So with that being said, I love y'all so much. Have a great rest of your evening. and. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.